Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, the legend, Matt Penny, is in the building. UMass's greatest basketball player of all time. Forget Marcus Camby. Forget uh, anyone else that has been there. Uh, forget, what, was Luane Pipkins there for a while? No. Yeah, also the great Dr. J. So, no, distant. Not, not Dr. Five J. Th- five thousandth in the record book, yeah. Yeah, no. Matt Penny is the greatest UMass basketball player in UMass history. Penny, what's going on, man? I'm excited to be here in our uh, our virtual building, if you will, internationally overseas. And I'm happy that it's it's actually draft month. We're actually here. We're a couple weeks away. And uh, for you and I and for all the other draft Knicks out there, we can stop reading about very shortly every prospect who broke every combine record possible this season. <laughs> <laughs> All the guards we've put on 15 pounds of muscle, and I think at least a dozen prospects that the Warriors are interested with the second pick. So we're here. Let's do it. Let's party. Can, can we do just two minutes real quick on the combine stuff? It's is, your is show. That, we can do 20 minutes on it if you want. No, we, we definitely don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> I, I just am – I, I want to be a little bit careful here, um, but I'm very skeptical of any of the combine numbers that have come out. Not because they're being misreported, not because they're being mischaracterized by the reporters involved, but just having talked to agents and a few players that have gone through it, it's not as universally consistent seemingly as what you get at the combine in Chicago, for instance. Uh, I'm just skeptical of like the methods of measurement and the consistency and like the fact that these guys have gotten like an extra, what, four or five months to train. So essentially, you know, they've been training to do the vertical now for an extra five months. So you're probably going to see bigger numbers generally than what you typically see. But on top of that, there are testing and consistency questions. So I'm just a little bit, a little bit skeptical, a little bit. And you're training for a drill too, kind of what you said, like you're training for the vertical jump and you don't know the consistency across it. And it's been interesting to me too, because it does seem there is this extra layer level of secrecy to the whole thing whether where they do it how they do it and really who prospects are working out for too and i remember just kind of growing up i'd read the boston globe and it's like oh celtics are having in these seven guys and they threw in an extra big for holy cross and the media would be there i mean now you have teams kind of asking each other like who you bringing in which guys are working out so it's it's definitely i think that plays into it too of there just lacks the consistency that uh chicago pre-draft may actually have yeah, so th- that's why I'm like generally not like melting down when I hear Yudoka Azubuke has a 41 inch vertical. Uh, I, I don't frankly believe that he plays as if someone that has a 41 inch vertical. Uh, we've seen no tape throughout his career that says he has a 41 inch vertical. Uh, he's an incredible finisher and is a elite level rim protector, but I think it's more because he has uh, an absolutely monstrous frame with a seven foot seven wingspan and can carve out position wherever he wants. And guys just bounce off of him in the interior. 
Yeah, the wingspan too. That's what I was going to say. You stole my thunder a little bit, but if he has a seven seven wingspan, he has a forty inch vertical. I think that means he could dunk like over the top of like the backboard. If my math is is right. correct, right? And we've never seen that from no, not yet. Like, not unless <laughs> Space Jam or something, but not yeah. not in traditional basketball sense. So I'm just you know, and as a bouquet is the one that's somewhat easier to you know pull out because that number is just wild to me uh but there are other ones and like i've even heard of some examples from teams where like a couple of those numbers have been adjusted after the fact so uh we'll we'll see we'll, we'll see what the way this but, works but it is consistent that you really like i know we're, we're throwing some extra mustard on it but you have seen some tweets and some stories about this guy was whatever a quarter second away from the all-time shuttle record or the, oh, the three-quarter court sprint or Penny, the you know the vert was like I, i've heard I think seven or eight shuttle numbers from agents and they've all, yep. they all would be the best number in 2019's NBA draft. Every single one. That's pretty good for a draft that people are crushing. It sounds like there's a uh, plenty of athletes to be, to be taken, to put into rotation. Like, I, I don't know if they're doing the shuttle differently this year or like if they're, um, is it on NBA court versus a high school court? That's a good twist. Yeah, right. Like uh, I know some guys are practicing in, in high schools, not ninety four feet. So maybe that plays into it. Yeah, no, I think that it's just not um, not numbers that I feel comfortable using, right? And not feel comfortable uh, promoting. Yeah, promoting. Yeah, I guess I guess that's the way to put it. And contextualizing within the previous contexts of NBA draft combines. That's all. Um, like. You know, Cassius Stanley is a 44 inch vertical. I, I might buy that, honestly. Like he's a freak athlete who can really jump. Yudoka Azubuke, 41 inch vertical. Like anyone watch Yudoka Azubuke jump versus Cassius Stanley jump. And it's just like, what are we talking about here? Right. Exactly. So, uh, let, let's move on to what our, the main portion of this podcast is going to be, so this is going to be something different than what I've ever done. I've said throughout the years that I don't really like comps, and that remains true. Having said that, I do think that they at least give something of an interesting perspective to people who have not seen these guys play before, right? It gives a stylistically interesting understanding for people you know he's kind of like this guy uh because at the end of the day this podcast is a lot of nba fans that don't watch a lot of college basketball so you know being able to help them understand who these guys are is interesting so penny and i are going to do nba draft comps uh and yes penny gave me the responsibility we're going to go back and forth so you know I will take the first guy who will be LaMelo. Penny will take the mm-hmm. second guy who will be Wiseman. Uh, P- Penny gave me the uh, unfortunate responsibility of coming up with a comp for Alexei Pokyshevsky, which like... It's your board. I mean, you could have rigged it a little bit. You have the odd numbers. Total, total unicorn here. Um, but yeah, Penny came up with this idea and I thought it was somewhat interesting. So uh, I'll let you explain what you thought was interesting about it. Yeah, so Sam and I were talking last week, and he said, do you want to jump on the pod, which I always say yes before thinking. And I'm also terrible at comps. I'm not a big fan of comps, but I said to a mutual friend, I have no bullets left. I don't know what we can talk about on the podcast. I mean, we've been talking about the NBA draft for six months, and it keeps on getting delayed. 
So he said, why don't you do a, a high low, a high prospect ceiling and a, a low prospect floor and kind of go back and forth. So we'll use Sam's big board one to 30, at least through the lottery, try to do high and low. And then maybe from whatever, 14 to 30, we just do a high. Uh, I don't want it to, what Sam said, totally hold to the player, like allow some wiggle room, grain of salt. Some of these guys have put like, you know, version of somebody light. So it's not, it's not a Mario Stoudemire. Maybe it's a Mario Stoudemire light. Uh, some may be stylistically, some may be body type, some may be comparable numbers. If Sam says Dwayne Wade, it doesn't mean that the player is going to be one of the best two guards in the next 20 years. It may be the type of whatever action they run for him or the body type matches up, the story matches up. The only other twist is that <laughs> Sam has promised not to go full indie rock on me and use a comp of like the ninth man from the 2001 nuggets who i don't even know like who that is so yeah i I don't even know who the ninth man on the 2001 nuggets was so i think we're okay that's good and i I think also kind of we have to just remember that all small guards are fred van vliet all shooters are duncan robinson all bigs are bam out of bio yeah all um all, all it's like in the uh well, what's the book that Michael Lewis wrote? I think it's the Undoing Project. Um, he did a chapter with Daryl Morey, and Morey found that basically every shooting guard that had like, um, you know, the same complexion as Stephen Curry got compared to Stephen Curry coming into the draft. Totally, and it's hard too because a lot of these guys, and I'm sure similar research you did. They're all saying the right things. They all want to be Fred. They all want to be Bam. But we'll we'll do our best to kind of expand beyond that where space allows. Yeah. So let's uh, let's start here. So you you gave me Lamelo Ball. Lamelo Ball number one. Who is another tough one? You know. Yeah. So six foot six guard, about one hundred and eighty pounds. Plays as more of a distributor than a scoring guard. Kind of think that like the best case scenario here is like a taller pre-injury Rajon Rondo. Mm, okay. Rebounds the ball really well from the guard position, starts the break at a high level. Uh, excellent passer, just live dribble passes all over the place. Questionable shooter. Uh, he does take a lot of them and definitely sees himself as more of a scorer than Rondo ever did. So it's not perfect necessarily, but I think his best role in the NBA is going to be being that super high level distributor. The the other key here is that if we're saying best case scenario for LaMelo ball, that involves a lot of the defensive instincts that he showed at times in the NBL coming through uh, that would require him to be much more engaged defensively. It would require him to be much, um, much more willing defensively than he was in the NBL consistently. But if we're saying like, what is his highest ceiling here? His highest ceiling involves him becoming like a fairly good defender. I think. Yeah. I also liked Sean Livingston high school as well. Kind of like a big creative guard plays off the bounce creative had some flair not necessarily a, a shooter from three and I, I think i was looking at the stat i think livingston was only like a 17 percent shooter from three in the nba but i thought that one may not be a bad fit as well 
I mean, I've seen like bigger Rubio. I've seen yeah. the light, the light version of Luka Doncic, which it, it's kind of sacrilegious to say that. But uh, again, it's, he's not a unicorn, but it's a tough guy to kind of put to a box. Yeah. He's, he's really, really tough. I think he's really, really difficult to try and like find the right comparison point. Uh, finding the floor is hard, like in and of itself as well. I think that his floor is probably like bottom five starting point guard in the NBA, like something like that. So trying to find one that's like a pass first bottom five starting point guard, like that's, that's even like kind of tough at the end of the I day. I thought you were going to take the bait and say Lonzo. No, he's not. He's so different than Lonzo. I, I know. I like, know. I know. I know. But, but you see that sometimes it's, it's just the family thing. You see the same last name. It's like, well, his upside is Lonzo plus his floor is Lonzo minus. Yeah. It, it's almost like it would be if Jeff Teague is like, and not uh all-star Jeff Teague for the Hawks, but like, uh, you know, maybe early career Jeff Teague uh, or, you know, th- this later version of Jeff Teague that we've seen in Minnesota, um, but taller because mm. Teague is something like six foot three. LaMelo will be something like six foot six, uh, somewhat inconsistent, unwilling shooter, uh, really good passer, really good distributor, um, ineffective defender, uh, something along those lines, probably not quite a starting guard uh, in the NBA, or probably not someone you want starting as an NBA guard is the way to put it. Right. Maybe not someone you trust right away. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of those? Uh, I liked it. I didn't necessarily think of that as a floor. I thought the, um, the ceiling was, again, different version than I thought, but some of the measurable type stuff of a, a bigger Rondo. Uh, I think, I, I think you may say this, but definitely Rondo is more of like a search for assist guy. Yeah. I think LaMelo would be more of a search for baskets. Like the, I keep yeah. beating the dead horse. Like, yeah, I, I grew up around, around Boston, not in Boston, yeah. but I saw a ton of rage on Rondo and like there'd be possessions where he'd dribble past the rim and like circle back around, yeah. hoping that someone trailed down the middle for an assist. I don't know if LaMelo is doing that. But I understand the the flair and pizzazz, the live dribble stuff that that kind of has some parallels. And they both pound the ball. Like that's kind of what you're getting at. Yes, yes, like, yes. They both have a tendency to really pound the ball and like just take over possessions at the end of the day. Um, but th- again, like the differentiator here is that Lamelo is six foot six in a way that you know Jeff T. Grajan Rondo, like these guys aren't that big. If we think that, that's a pretty good number one overall pick. Yeah, like I. I I don't think it's like an average number one overall pick to say like, like even like that ceiling. Like, I don't think that's an average number one overall pick ceiling. No, not at all. But you know, I think that he's going to be a good player. Like I'm, I'm in on Rajon Rondo. So you got number two. I do. Uh, number two. And I'm in on LaMelo ball. Uh, okay. You have James and, Wiseman. And so. I do. I have James Wiseman. So, I'm already taking the not easy way out, but I'm going kind of like a hybrid as a high somewhere between Andre Drummond and Chris Bosch. And then low end, I'm going Hassan Whiteside. So for Wiseman, I think he could transition into a more mobile stretch big with some level of rim protection. But for right now, it's really more of that rim runner protector. His shot's not there, but it could be. 
the the drumming thing to me is the motor, the consistency, and does it ever really get into lockstep with the rest of physical tools? I coached against Andre Drummond when I was at Northfield Mount Hermon and he was at St. Thomas More. And he could legitimately, I mean, he was the size when he was a sophomore in high school, yep. but he could roll out of bed and get to 15 to 12. And he would have five plays a game that were eye popping. And the scout was always, don't talk to him, don't touch him, don't let him get going. And he'll just drift a little bit. I, I fear Wiseman could be that in, in some sense. And it, it's also difficult to kind of project because you're going based on high school stuff. I mean, we talked about it here. Wiseman played three games in college. Two against low majors, he averaged 20 and 11 and shot 77% from the field. He's saying he wants to be Giannis. He watches a lot of Giannis film. I don't see that at all. The Bosch light thing could be there if he can kind of improve on his, his footwork, the pick and pop stuff, shooting off of that. We've seen the videos of him working down in Miami. He's in great shape. He looks to be more fluid, but it, it's going to take a little bit to get there. Yeah. For a ceiling, I, I kind of like the idea of Chris Bosch for him. Bosch was a really underrated rim protector, was mobile enough defensively to do some things. Um, got to the point where he could knock down corner threes. Like if Chris Bosch came up today. Yes. It really made you pay with him too. They're seeming like always big ones in the playoffs. Right. And if he came up today, he would have been shooting much earlier in his career. Um, yep. but coming up when he did, he did a lot of the same like mid posty, you know, low posty stuff right. that Wiseman did in high school. I, I actually like that's a comparison that's gotten like kind of clowned a little bit because I think Chris Bosch probably was a quicker twitch athlete than Wiseman is at the end of the day, but Wiseman's a little bit bigger and uh Yeah, he's huge. I mean seven one, seven six wingspan in really good shape. Yeah, like I I actually kind of get that one to an extent if we're doing comps at the end of the day like uh, yeah to me and, and like I, it's like chris chris bosh that it's not again i don't want people going crazy being like well if he's chris bosh he's a lock for number two it's like chris bosh is probably as good as it's going to get there and that's not a yeah. knock really on either of them yeah no like it's chris bosh i think is going to end up in the hall of fame at some point yeah i was hesitant to say it but that's what i was thinking yeah i mean chris bosh is chris bosh's career i hope uh you know, doesn't get lost to the annals of time. Like he was, uh, you know, an 11 time all star who was a huge part of the like Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. Uh, only made one all NBA team, if I remember correctly, which is kind of bizarre for a guy that, uh, only played in 11 all star games, but I, I would, Bet you there aren't many 11-time All-Stars that aren't in the Hall of Fame. That's a pretty good stat. We'd have to look that one up offline. But that um, I'm guessing you're airing on the right side of history with, it, with your guess. Yeah. The, the guy that I've been comparing him to is like Miles Turner almost. Um, okay. I see that being a little bit more of his ballpark athletically. But it, that's like kind of in the middle of what you said. Like I would say Miles Turner is like uh, in the middle of Andre Drummond and – uh, and Chris Bosch. Yeah, that's fair too. I, I want to say Wiseman's more athletic and can do more, expand his game a little bit, but I, I'm not fighting you with, uh, with that comp either. All right. Anthony Edwards, this one's yes, just do it. A joke. Um, I, I'm going to say the high end for him is like more athletic Bradley Beal. Ooh, okay. Uh, you know, the, the popular one now. is 
Dwayne Wade and it's yeah, lazy. Victor Oladipo, right? Lazy, yeah. Dwayne Wade and Victor Oladipo played with a lot more aggressiveness than what we've seen from Anthony Edwards so far in his career. And that's not to say that Bradley Beal is not an aggressive player. He is. But it's aggressive more as a pull-up jump shooter versus aggressive as like attacking the rim relentlessly like Dwayne Wade did. Like we've just never seen Anthony Edwards do that, right? No, not at all. And did, I agree that like Oladipo is a, a far better defender too. I mean, I don't yeah. think you'd ever say like, Oh, I'm questioning Oladipo's defensive effort. Yeah. And, and which has been a knock for Anthony. And, and frankly, it's been a knock for Bradley Beal too. Like yeah. Bradley Beal was literally did not make all NBA this year, despite averaging 30 points a game because he was just very bad defensively this year. Uh, and it was in large part due to effort because we've seen Bradley Beal be a good defender before. I think there's a world where we see in big moments that Anthony Edwards is a good defender, but it's not, I've seen nothing in terms of evidence that it's going to be consistent over the course of his career. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where sometimes if the game is close, he gets a basket or has a good possession offensively. Then he like snaps in. Yep. It's like, okay, lockdown defense and he'll have good plays, good deflections. He'll get in the lane, but it, you're not getting that from the second the ball's tipped to the last whistle. Just it's not there yet. I, I also, I hate the Donovan Mitchell one being thrown around too. I mean, Donovan Mitchell averaged 36.3 points per game in the bubble. It, like Anthony's very good. I don't, I don't see that either. Yeah, and Donovan again is like an aggressive downhill driver all the time. Like that's that's what he does. He pulls up a lot and he takes some shitty shots, but like Donovan's game is aggressive downhill driver who fights his ass off defensively and that's always been his brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he might not be like the most effective defender all the time because he's closer to 6-1 than he is to 6-4, but he is someone that at least like can be reliable defensively in a real way and by the way like bradley beal's a better player than donovan mitchell in my opinion right now so like it's just a little bit different uh in terms of what the comp is uh i I would say more explosive bradley beal uh with similar flaws uh if it if it goes right uh just in terms of the way that he goes and gets his buckets largely off of jumpers pull up jumpers jumpers off the catch um Etc. And by the way, Bradley Beal is another guy who shot a little bit worse in college than what you would have expected him to shoot in college. Yes, I remember looking back at that too. He was, he was the knock was at Florida. He was, in a sense, a shooter that couldn't shoot. He was like had this reputation yeah. as being a shooter. His numbers just weren't there. Yep. Uh, the floor for me is like Dion Waiters. For yeah, that's a, fan, a favorite. Like, yeah, you know, if if it just never clicks in defensively and he continues to take these terrible shots all the time, uh, it, it's a it's a wide chasm in terms of what the uh, ceiling and floor yeah, is. With Anthony Brad Edwards. Brad Beal plus who averaged thirty points per game in the league, or Deion Waiters who's you know, fighting to get a championship ring from one of the teams. Yeah. Right, but it, it's it's basically up to Anthony Edwards. With what he wants to be. I mean, you've seen Anthony Edwards uh, probably even more than I have. Like, I've watched all of his tape, but you watched him all throughout the Under Armour circuit. So where where are you on this? 
I don't know if he's Brad Beal plus yet. I mean, I get that he has the tools he can score, and it's also kind of lazy to be like, oh, he's in an open system and has more weapons around him. I do think his game will be better. I mean, I don't think we we took too much away from the clutch sports day more than we already knew. No, we we did not. Yeah, the number of joke. Let's let's leave it there. Yeah, the number of joke Uh, uh, text messages I got. About that was great. Uh, shout out to the Riffs Man because the Riffs Man. If do you know this account, Penny? I do not know the Riffs Man. No, I've, I've had since I've been on this podcast. I've had some interesting internet encounters, but no Riffs Man. The, the Riffs Man is a uh, just a Celtics basketball legend on okay. Twitter, basically. Uh, and one of the things is like he found a tweet from many years ago with uh, Devin Booker saying, going to Hooters with the fellas. And I got an actual text from an NBA uh, scout saying LeBron and AD crushing beers and going to Hooters tonight with the fellas uh, because it very much looked like they were like having beers on the sidelines of this. It, it's uh, tailgating in 2020. You yeah. Do it somewhere. They, they were tailgating the Edwards maxi yeah. workout. <laughs> I'm not mad. You get to that level, they can do whatever they want. Just coming off a championship. I love their it. celebration just extended, continued. It was amazing. Uh, you're up with Obi Toppin. I am Obi Toppin. So I'm going for Obi Toppin ceiling Amari Stoudemire light. Okay. Uh, I, I also wrestled with McDice with a jumper, some dash of John Collins, and my floor is Marvin Bagley. So my justification is. Bouncy offensive weapon struggles to guard can be exposed in pick and roll or out on the perimeter. Some offensively very comfortable as a four and can make you pay as a four, but really should be a five. Uh, can Obi stretch the floor enough from three with a, a larger sample size? He was 39% college, but he was only 32 for 82. Amare only took 127 threes in his career, but like we kind of talked about before, with Bosch a little bit is like the game was also different and hadn't really fully transitioned into shooting bigs. So I think if the game had, had expanded even more, we would have seen more of that out of Amari. Uh, but he was a 55% shooter from the field, his last five seasons, the Bagley stuff you've talked about on here before with the Kings, they don't know if he's a four or is a five, but probably best suited playing the five yeah. defensively. So you don't have to guard on the perimeter. I don't mind that one. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's, you know, I still have hope in Marvin. I think Marvin is quicker twitch than Obi. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with that. And it, um, it's not supposed to be disparaging either. Like Marvin Bagley still is going to score a lot of points. But I, for Obi, it's like the the knocks defensively is, is where I see kind of some similarities with the two. Yeah, no, I get that one. I kind of dig yeah. it. All right, now we're going to go to Onyeka Okongwu. Yep. The popular one has been Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo, Bam drinking game. Bam, drink, go. And I I don't see that personally with him. I I see Anyeka more as like... It's it's hard. It's it's really hard with him. It's like I'm I'm gonna say a name here, and people are gonna think it's like negative, and I, I don't really think of that this way. Like better defensively, Montrez Harrell. Ooh, okay. 
Because, like, Onyeka can... I mean, Tre- Tre- I mean, the defensive stuff, Trez, they could hardly play at the end of the playoff games. Right. And I think and Onyeka... And I have Onyeka, who would, you know, I, again, I know it drives you nuts. He wasn't on any of the Pac-12 all-defensive teams, but known for being that versatile switching big defender. Yeah. Like, I just went back and looked at the Pac-12 teams earlier today because I was writing about Tyrell Terry. Uh, Th- this must really irk you because you've talked about it a lot. It's... The most bananas thing in the world. Tyler Bay won Defensive Player of the Year, and I don't think he's a particularly good defender, uh, technically, or anything. Um, athletic and like makes an impact on that end just by playing hard, but like, yeah, it, it, it was, it was bizarre to me, uh, the way that they voted on that defense award. But like when I say, uh, Montrez, like I think Inyek is going to be a very high level, uh, rim runner and pick and roll player. You're going to see him occasionally post up smaller guys and your hope is that he can develop out to like 15 feet. And then obviously the hope is here defensively that Montrez uh, is just unplayable and Onyeka won't be that. So like it, mm-hmm. it's offensive Montrez Harrell with like, like Daniel Tice defense almost because like he'll not be against, good in not against Bam though yeah yeah like good in space but not like hyper elite in space like I, I don't think Onyeka is an all defense team guy in the NBA like so so that's a good question too do you think his despite your anger with the Pac-12 defensive teams do you think any of his defensive stuff has been overstated a little bit a little bit in terms of translation to the NBA because he is okay. six foot nine with like a seven foot one wingspan. Like he, he's not this like monster, enormous center. He, like honestly, you go back and watch the tape when they played Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart kind of wrecked him a little bit because he yep. just absolutely threw him uh, around on the block. Oh, uh, yeah. Big and strong. Yeah. So. There are going to be centers that can do that. Like Joel Embiid, if he goes to an Eastern Conference team, like Joel Embiid will like take care of him, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see – I agree with your point, but I also don't think you're going to see too many Joel Embiids where the, no. the NBA is is moving toward the Onyeka archetypes of the world. But like but even, even the, the Marcus Aldridge, I think, catches him right now. Yeah, be a lot of elbow stuff, but yeah, he will. Right. Uh, the floor for me is like slightly worse Tristan Thompson. Like, okay, that's exactly who I had to. Yeah, like like honestly, like I think Onyeka is one of the safest guys in this draft. And, and I feel I have moved him up to four on my board. Just spoiler alert for whenever I uh, release uh, this big project I'm working on. But 100,000 words. Yeah, it's going to be a monster. But. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, like, I feel very safe with what Tristan Thompson is in the NBA, and I feel safe that, you know, Anyeka Kongwu is going to be able to provide an, a similar level impact to him. Hmm. All right, I'm good with that. That works. All right, before we uh, move on here, let's take a quick commercial break to hear from the sponsors. We're talking about players securing the bag. When they get drafted in June, I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location 
from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions, just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. All right, and we are back here. Uh, number six, Penny. Six, Isaac Okoro, one of our favorites. I had for a ceiling, like a jacked up Andre Iguodala yeah. or like a Jalen Brown light. And for the floor, I had Justice Winslow. Yeah, I, I, I like the Iguodala one a lot. Okay. And again, it's kind of like a jacked up Iggy. It's not necessarily him now, but competitive closer level defender has a physical tools. The offensive game isn't that bad. The three point shot, nowhere where it needs to be. He works. Uh, the Iggy comp to me is more kind of later years too, is a transition more to the front court mm -hmm. for Okoro. The size and strength will allow an easier adjustment for him too to the physicality of the NBA game. Uh, both with the, with the defensive versatility profile, um, but that's like the most intriguing part of it. If you look at their numbers too, at uh, Auburn, Okoro was 20 for 70 from three. When Iguodala was at Arizona, he was 23 for 73 from three. So there are also kind of numbers just without the eye test, just like the analytics test where you see potentially, okay, this is where he was. His shot became more dependable as time wore on. And if a core does that and can do a little bit more off the bounce, it's only going to expand kind of what people think of him as well. Yeah, no question. And 
I actually think he's like a really underrated passer and playmaker. Like he reads yeah, second yes, and third yes. level of the defense. I, like, I left that out, but for sure. Really, really well. Like that, that's where I really like the Iguodala stuff. Like I think he's going to be able to do all of that at a pretty high level. Yeah. I, I think you can run stuff from the elbow to hit the high post. Guy can come off, do dribble handoffs, face up, see guys cutting to the lane. That's a good part of his game as well. Yeah. And has really good footwork around the basket, like can put one on someone's head, but also can finish underneath the rim if he has to like changes angles on rim protectors really well. I, I really, Okoro is another guy that I continue to get higher on the more that I watch him. Yeah. It's a level of trust too. I don't think you have to worry about him out there making bonehead mistakes on either side of the floor really like Like, the worst case scenario takes like an errant three which he's getting better at shooting and from a mechanic standpoint like that's the worst that happens like i trust him when the game's ending for him to be guarding the wing and and switching on to a big then back to the wing he did that in a few possessions at auburn that have kind of like been floating around the internet and those are the type of actions that nba guys are intrigued with right and and like that's where the comparisons that, like, for instance, I've seen like a lot of Pistons fans say, like, I don't want another Stanley Johnson. Yeah, I don't think he's Stanley. He's he's not Stanley at all. Like, he's the basketball IQ is just like eons and like matters. And, of, and, and despite Isaac probably being, I guess, physically stronger than Stanley was at the time, Stanley did have more of kind of like a bully ball game too. Yeah. Like, as strong as as Okoro is, I don't. He uses that sometimes when he'll face up and and rip and try to dunk on a guy, but that's yeah. not like the. I don't know, the center of his game, I guess you could say. No, I think that's 100% right. Okay, number seven, I I have RJ Hampton. And I, I, again, like I'll be honest, I, I've slid RJ down a few more after going back and watching the uh, Australia tape slash New Zealand tape, I guess, in his case. Uh, I would say the ceiling is someone that he actually compared himself to earlier today. Like, I think it's probably something similar to Zach Levine. Uh, Yeah, he he likes that one. did an interview with Hoops Hype, and I I think that that is the ceiling. And I'm someone who really actually quite is, if you listen to the podcast with Seth Part now, I I think I'm higher on Zach Levine than what the general basketball consensus is. Uh, Anytime that you can have such a ridiculous usage rate and average 25 points a game and do so on plus efficiency – I think it's an impressive thing, uh, and I think it's something worth commending. Uh, the floor for RJ Hampton is like Dante Exum. Like, yep, had that too. It's it's low. Uh, it, it is like barely NBA player, but definitely NBA player. Like some something in that range, uh, but not a particularly effective NBA player. Uh, it would be almost like but, Dante but both Exum. Super athletes, yeah. Yeah, it'd be almost like Dante Exum without the like defensive intensity that Exum showed in Utah uh, throughout the course of his career. Mm. It does seem, this is kind of as an aside, that his buzz is, is also trending upward. Do you think there's any scenario he gets out of the lottery, or do you think that's pretty much locked? To, I wouldn't to be say there? it's a 100% lock that he goes in the lottery. Yeah. I think. I would be a little bit surprised if he got out of the lottery and I don't see him getting out of the top 20. Yeah, no, I don't either. So I I would not be surprised. But yeah, RJ Hampton, I'm actually a bit of a believer in the jump shot. I've written about that extensively. So if I'm that, like, that's kind of where the Zach Levine thing comes through, right? Is Levine developed into like a super elite level jump shooter? Uh, 
Hampton is a really good finisher, a very different finisher from Levine, because Levine, again, will just put some something on a guy's head, right? But RJ is more of like a length extension finisher, really good footwork around the basket. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say like combo guard, scoring guard, uh, guy that I think, like, I think Levine could make an impact on an NBA, uh, playoff team too, but probably not in the role that he's currently in. Yeah. And for RJ, I think with some of the size, once he gets a little bit bigger and more comfortable too, he's, he's not the athlete that Zach Levine is. I think there's very few people in the NBA that are. But he does have RJ does some have athleticism where he'll be able to turn the corner and and dunk as he gets uh, again more confident in not being bumped off his path as he drives to the paint. But Zach Levine makes sense. I mean, Zach Le- yeah. he said Zach Levine or Jamal Murray. I don't see Jamal Murray really at all, but Zach Levine's not a bad one. Yeah, I I actually really love RJ's first step in, in a real way. Like I, I think he is a super high level first step athlete. Um. But needs to kind of improve, uh, defensively, needs to improve as a distributor, as a, uh, as a willing passer as much as anything. Like he, he makes okay, uh, easy reads from time to time and then he just takes terrible shots. So, you know, Levine again is somewhat similar to all of this, I think. So, uh, you're up. Uh, who, who do you eight. got next? Yep. I have Tyrese Halliburton, another draft darling. So. I had for a high, I struggled this one a little bit. This is one that I think we've actually talked about before. I did as a high Lonzo, and then I did for a low, like Patrick McCaw. Yeah, I think that's pretty close. Yeah, so uh, explain. And I also want to just say for the record, these are not all mine. Like, I also talk to some NBA scouts and other people. Like, (laughs) I am not this smart. But anyway, uh, for Lonzo and for more Tyrese and Lonzo, big guard – Best suitor is kind of like a secondary facilitator playing next to another facilitated creator. Has the height and the vision from playing that off-guard spot. Has size, but I worry a little bit about the fluidity of the jumper coming off the dribble. Be able to score off pull-ups just the way he kind of like leans forward a little bit. It releases yep. in the front of his face. His, his feet are a little funky. He's one of the many prospects who have added 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. But I, I still am worried about him. A little bit finishing at the rim. Does it turn into more of a floater package? Does he try to finish on the other side? Like, I don't think yep. he's, he's turning the corner and, and yamming on somebody either. Uh, as a kind of weak parallel, they both do have funky releases to their shot. For McCaw, it's like he's a big guard, inconsistent 30% shooter from three. Again, best off the ball to put a bow in it. Uh, I, I do like Halliburton. I think he's a guy, but like a, a high end role player guy and not. The guy, if that makes sense. Yeah. So basically Lonzo. And I sure. think he's going to be like, I think he has a very good chance of hitting that ceiling as well, which is why I have him a little bit higher. Uh, uh, he's up to like seven or eight on my board now. Um, I am generally quite a fan of Halliburton being a good role player who will defend off the ball will always be in the right position rotationally will always just be around in a really intelligent manner i think uh and will lead the break and will always make the right passing read like those guys help teams win i think halliburton will help teams win while not necessarily being the driver of why a team is winning totally if he's around and that's what you want for 
an NBA starter or a rotation guy that you can put other scores around him. You don't have to worry about him feeling some type of way if he's not yep. the guy. Yeah, I think it's been well established that he's okay and, and comfortable and aware of who he is. He actually does look bigger as much as I knock all these people for adding 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. He's working out at impact basketball. The jumper looks a little bit quicker, albeit still kind of a funky release. So he, he's working on this game. I mean, he's, he's had this off time to improve and it looks like he has. Yeah. The, the next one is Killian Hayes. Yeah. I like, I, I lucked out this and it's like all these internationals who, you so politely gave to me in the last mock draft and now you're having to eat it and figure it out. Yeah, you're, you're giving me, uh, giving me some messy ones here. Uh, I actually think Killian's is relatively easy. Like I think his ceiling is something similar to D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Uh, very left hand dominant. Uh, you know, needs a ball screen to be able to get separation. High level live dribble passer and has some potential as a shooter off the dribble can make a case that he's better defensively than D'Angelo Russell for sure. Uh, ultimately though, like his handle is not as strong as Russell's was coming in. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit skeptical that he hits that ceiling because of that. Like he is exceptionally left-hand dominant. Like Russell, yeah. Russell likes dribbling with his left hand and very much prefers it. Like I, I watched all of Killian Hayes' assists this year. I don't think I saw him make a single like live dribble pass with his right. Right. And even some of the highlights, too. He'll drive, and he should really finish with his right hand. He has his defender on his hip, and yep. he'll still go back to the left hand on the right side of the basket. Yep. So he just doesn't He doesn't necessarily trust it either. Are you in the camp at all buying him as a top three guy in this draft? I'm not. I get why people do it. Like I, I think that... Like I went back last week, late last week, and like I watched three or four of his games. I watched every single pick and roll possession he had, every isolation possession he had, every assist he had this year. Like I wanted to make sure that I was not missing anything right. with him. And what it comes down to for me is that the highlights with Killian Hayes are amazing. The flashes that you see are just like immediately translatable to the NBA at times. Like you see him go like sidestep to the right, you know, Dame Lillard step back three because he's left-handed. So it's like slightly different than Dame's, right? right? Like you see him, you know, have these nice little floater touch shots in the mid range, like potentially the ability to be like a three level scorer has like pretty good finishing around the basket. Like you can see like some flashes of like Ginobili finishing around the basket with him, but I don't think he's a good enough ball handler to get there consistently. Uh, I don't think he has enough burst to get there consistently. And I think teams are just going to sit on his left hand and like, whereas James Harden make him beat you with the right. Yeah. Yeah. Like James Harden is one of the best ball handlers, like, in the NBA and can do that. I don't think Hayes can really do that from what I've seen. Like when you watch his games, the flashes always pop, but from an overall impact perspective for like the 30 minutes a night that he plays or, you know, 25 to 30, whatever it was, 
isn't quite as impactful as what you would think because he can't consistently like get into the teeth of the defense. And, uh, he like can't quite get that consistent separation. And like, frankly, he can't quite consistently knock down a jumper off the catch. I just like the idea of you in like a dark room with just the glow of your computer screen watching Synergy for like 18 straight hours trying to figure it out. <laughs> Which is possible. I mean, what what else are we doing? We, we we still have whatever, two weeks for the draft, and some people have number one. So if you have them nine, you got to justify it. Yeah, that is uh, <laughs> that is uh, definitely true. What what was happening last Friday for me? I was just sitting here in the dark watching a lot of Killian Hayes tape. Um, but I I did want to make sure I wasn't missing it. But um, yeah, and I think he's a really good player. Like I think he is a very interesting long-term player that I would understand. Like, I think I'm going to have him at seven or eight. Like I keep flipping back and forth on him and Halliburton Uh, for certain teams. I can see Hayes being better for certain teams. I can see Halliburton being better. Like it's absolutely a fit question, but yeah, I I just can't quite buy in as much as everyone else is. Mm. All right. You're up. Who do you have next? I'm a, I'm a 10. I have Denny. Are nice. you keeping him at 10? Because like we did the mock and he got to 12th. And we thought it was crazy. The Golden State, whether it's smoke screen or not, it's looking at him at two. I've seen a lot of places four or five. Does he get to 10 or is this kind of just like your personal view of it? Oh, he's, he's not getting to 10. I, I would okay. be pretty surprised if he got out of the top five at this stage. All right. Well, I, for him, I, I'm, I'm tough- lower on him. Like I okay. will yeah. have him, you know, nine, maybe eight, something like that. But. But right there. Yeah. Like he'll, he'll be in this like second tier for me though. Yeah. So for him, I, I saw kind of like a, a younger Batum. Uh, older Batum is more of a three point shooter. And then low end, I had Hazonja. Versatile forward lacks a jump shot. That's why I see like the Gallinari, the Gordon Hayward comps. I just don't get it because those guys can really shoot. Like, yep. That's what they're known for, for like stretching the floor. So. I kind of had to dig for this one. Uh, I've seen the Karolinko name, but he doesn't have the defense of, of no. Andre Karolinko. But you can use him in different actions. He makes plays as a ball handler and a screener out of pick and pop and pick and roll. But Toom also served as kind of like a big facilitator, averaged almost six assists per game in 2016-2017. Shot 33% from three, but 85% from the line i know like denny's free throw stuff is not great and his three is not great the hazonja thing which is kind of similar size drafted top five a little bit better shooter but didn't pan out but i like just being totally transparent i I couldn't really nail down a guy where i'm like i think that's it yeah like it's almost like he's not he's not a shooting big so it's like all these names are shooting bigs like well that doesn't really make sense no, he's, he's a playmaking big. Like he is yeah. like a point forward. Like it's all, it's almost right. like smaller, less athletic Lamar Odom almost is, is like okay. the play style, but he's nowhere near yeah. the defender that Lamar was. Right. And I don't, like, I haven't seen enough of Denny, but I don't know if he's that smooth off the dribble either. He's pretty good off the bat. Like I think he's a pretty good ball handler, especially for his size. Like I think he's going to be, at some point, like a reasonable secondary ball handler. 
Um, right. And Lamar Odom was like one of the original big guards of like, why is this guy bringing the ball up the court? Right. Like you're going to be able to have Denny bring the ball up the court and he's going to make really high level passes. Um, yeah. I just don't know that he's going to be good enough defensively. Like this skill package for me would need to be like a high level defender almost. And I don't think he's bad defensively. I just don't think he's going to be like a difference maker defensively. Yeah. Haven't totally bought it and have to see more. Yeah. Like he's, he's smart. He knows where to be like, you know, he's willing and he knows exactly how to like handle his shit on that end. Um, and didn't he have the great quote? I think you retweeted that like the New York Knicks are an organization. Yes. The New York Knicks are yeah. an organization. Like that, that's the <laughs> other you. thing too. Like everything I've been told is like very mature kid, professional mindset already, like really going to be a worker. Like you, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And I, I think that frankly is why a lot of uh, teams near the top are like, okay, we can trust him to keep getting better. Um, but, but not at two, if we're saying the ceiling of, of Ant is like Brad Beal jacked up and we're saying like maybe Denny's a, a less Lamar Odom. Right. Right. No, I, I it's a tough skill set for me. Like it, it's, a, it's a weird skill set to try and figure out. So, uh, let's, uh, let's move on. All right. Let's go 11. So You're I am up. up and you gave me Devin Vassell, which is, Pretty easy. Uh, I actually think that the ceiling is Danny Green. Okay. I like that one. Um, maybe like 10% more effective offensively Danny Green, but has like the same elite level, like defensive tools and crazy, uh, like off ball defense and team defense that Danny Green has, uh, the floor, I think, is pretty low, to be honest, if he doesn't shoot. Mm. Um, and I, I think that we might be putting, like, the cart before the horse a little bit. Uh, the floor might be, like, Matisse Thibel this year. Pre-bubble. Yeah. Even, I mean, even post-bubble. like <laughs> Bu- Bubble Thibel was... It was good though. It's legit. He's fine. Like Matisse Thibel yeah. averaged like five points a game this year, was an awesome team defender, clearly got minutes, clearly was a rotation player in the NBA. But, you know, I, I have some real questions about where the offense goes from here. I have the same questions about, uh, Devin Vassell this year. So you don't see the, the Covington, Chris Middleton type comps. He's not, he's not as big as those guys. Yeah. Middleton's almost six eight and can create his own shot in isolation. Like Devin Vassell can't do that. Uh Covington, yeah, like I think Covington's kind of a similar player. He's just also six foot nine with like a seven foot wingspan. Hmm. Alright, that's fair. That plays. Alright, yeah. I'm at I'm at I'm at I'm at twelve, so plotting along the water here. So Kyra Lewis. I had some mix of Darren Collison. And a bigger ish. And I had as a floor Colin Sexton and bigger, game changing bigger ish Smith. Yeah. Man, you hate Kyra Lewis. 
No, I don't. See, like, Darren you, Collison. You hate Kyra Lewis. Penny. No, I do not. Why? Like, Darren Collison is a career averaging 14 points per game. If you get that at 12, that's a great value pick. Why do you hate Kyra Lewis, Matt Penny? You have him 12th. You're the one who hates him. You, you, if you like Kyra Lewis, you'd have him the first point guard on the board. Oh, man. But uh, uh, my like justification. That. Huh? I like that. I like yeah. that take. Yeah. So game changing speed, quickness. He facilitated better toward the end of the year. Uh, like similar concerns I have about other guards, smaller guards in draft is he needs that mid range floater to really finish over bigger defenders. And, and when he beats his man, a guy steps up and he doesn't really have the true explosion at the rim. Uh, he might actually turn it over a little bit more than Collison, but their numbers also from a shooting perspective really match up. And Kyra shot 46% for the field, 37% from three, 80% for the free throw line. Collison as a career is for, like the same, like 47, 39, 85. Uh, the second thing's only because, I mean, he still averaged, I want to say like 20 points per game this year, but there's also times where he plays too fast, a little out of control, and frankly had good stats on not a great team. Okay. Are you like, pick, are you picking up your jaw off the floor because I just, I, I hit one of your bankies too hard? I'm trying to, I, I'm just like, there's, like Darren Collison as a ceiling is tough for me, but it's 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 somebody of that six foot six one mold that's fast that can score that isn't averaging to me twenty two points per game. Yeah, like it's it's almost like Ty Lawson almost. Sure, but bigger. But like it's he's like bigger uh, than Ty though. Yeah, but like I don't like Darren Collison isn't meant to be a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Kyra is kind of tough for what it's worth. Like, I actually do agree. Like, it's, it's almost like much less vertical pop De'Aaron Fox. See, I had De'Aaron Fox, but like, I don't think he has that, that burst athletically at the rim. Yeah. No, he doesn't. Like that, that's the difference is like, he just does not have that in it. But you're killing me for Collison. I just pulled it up. Ty Lawson, a career 12.7 points per game, six assists. Yeah. But Collison's like those numbers at the end of his career because of his, Sure, Let's he rattled off like four straight years of like six or seven points per game. Issues, Had a good stretch for three yeah. seasons where he averaged like 15 plus. Yeah, like Ty, like during those, like his second year to his sixth year, averaged 15.7 assists and did so on 46 from the field, 37 from three, 77 from the line. Like maybe prime Ty Lawson. Would you say Darren yeah. Collison had a better career than Ty Lawson? I'm saying in he had he never averaged single digits. He averaged yeah. at least 12 points per game in almost every one of his seasons and a high of 16, 6 and 3. You know what? I'm I'm here for if this. If you're getting 16, 6 and 3, uh, like that's not a that's not a bad thing. I think I'm We're happy with that. I think I'm here for this actually. Okay. Yeah. He probably did have a better career than Ty Lawson. Ty Lawson's uh, star shone brighter for like two years there. Yes, it was a bright star for two or three years. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, the next one is Pukashevsky. And pass. Like, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Just, just, yeah. Just say poor man's Porzingis and move on. Don't even explain it. I know they don't fit. Like, whatever. Yeah, like he's... Way more fluid than Porzingis is. 
But but again, like he is, but you also have to remember who he's playing too. Like he looks like a seven foot Magic Johnson Anthony Davis hybrid in that league. In the highlights anyway. Yeah, he does. Like it's a, it's a joke. Like I like, totally uh, get uh, Yeah, ceiling Anthony Davis, floor Magic Johnson. Yeah. Ceiling Anthony Davis, floor Jan Vesely. Like Great. I don't fucking know. It's this this league I think I wrote more about Pokeshevsky in this project than almost anyone else because I'm just fascinated by him in a very real way. Uh, the balance at seven feet tall, like he's not, if I'm going to be real about this, right. And like, take this seriously um, and not just like pass. Mm-hmm. The the big issue that I have with Pokeshevsky is I think that he is really bad guarding the ball. Like he's a very poor defender in that league on the ball. And I think what teams will do is just put him in every single primary action and force him to defend until he gets stronger. And And then then bury him in the post for a quick touch and just get killed. Like like you think on is getting thrown around, like what's going to happen with this guy? No, a thousand percent. So, Trying to find the guy that is like, (laughs) there's no one like him, really. There, there genuinely is no one. It's almost like the ceiling is like what Jaron Jackson did this year. Like high volume three point shooter, hopefully makes it a high percentage and then. Mm If you also throw in like passing ability that Jaron hasn't shown yet, it's the the ceiling offensively is like exceptionally high. Just unbelievable. Just a lot of things have to click to get there though, too. Right, and like he doesn't play through contact well at all right now either. Is the other problem. So like Jaron Jackson's two hundred forty pounds. Pokashevsky is, I think, two ten. They or maybe two ten might be like high. One. Yeah, I think it was 190. They listed him at 210. So split the difference. Maybe it's like 205. Right. So I don't. I, I have some concerns. The more I watch Pakushevsky, I, I have some concerns on the way that it works at the next level. But that is not to diminish the ceiling being through the roof, to quote Michael Jordan. Right. Ceiling is the roof. Yeah. All right, that's fair. I'm at 14. I got Patrick Williams, who's you killed me for taking fifth, but he's been kind of whispered in that top seven to ten range lately. Don't virtually throw anything at me because I'm not saying he's him. I'm just saying some level of physicality of Kawhi Leonard, but more of like the OG type game build for high, for low, kind of like a physical presence off the bench. I had Corey Maggette. So, so the more I watch him, the more yep. I kind of get it. Okay. In what sense? High or low? The high. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. So you're coming around. I'm not so crazy after all. Like I, I, I don't think he's Kawhi. I, I do not think uh, uh, he's. No, no, no. Let's, let's hard stop there. He's not Kawhi Leonard, but he has the, the huge shoulders. He has the frame. He does some pull up stuff off the dribble now. Can play a variety of positions and roles without hurting you. Passes the hell out of it. Like passes the hell out of it. And 
he does have a six eleven wingspan too. He's not the Kawhi like seven four or whatever right. craziness he has with his enormous hands. And then if if you look, just as like again, just college stats parallels. Kawhi in college averaged fifteen and a half points per game, ten rebounds, twenty nine percent from three. I mean, Patrick Williams only played twenty two minutes per game. Uh, uh, shot thirty two percent from three was like 16 for 50. Kawhi was 25 for 86. Obviously, Kawhi got a lot better. He's in a great developmental system. If Patrick Williams gets there and is with a team that's, that's known for developing their guys, I, like I like his upside as much as anybody else here. I mean, you just don't – you kind of don't even know what you're getting yet either. I mean, he didn't start for Florida State. Yeah, I've, I've pushed Pat Williams up the board a little bit too. Um, I, I have him in the lottery now. Um, yeah, no, I, he's definitely going to be in the lottery. Yeah. It, it's a fascinating skill set. Like, it is one of the more interesting skill sets that I can remember. Uh, because he is so enormous and so raw at this stage. But also, like, has all of these weird latent skills while mm-hmm. also being, like, a cr- an incredibly reactive defender. It's, yes, very good team defender. Yeah, it's a people are going to hear that and be like, that's a crazy ceiling, but I'm I don't think he gets there. But like, I, I get where you're coming from. At least. You just hedge the bet, say light, quiet letter light. And then it's like it takes some of the, the shine off it. Who, who who would be Kawhi Leonard light in today's NBA? Patrick Williams. Uh, that's a good question. Like, would be light a top six. Does Marcus Morris NBA. think he's Kawhi Leonard? Oh God, he might think that, but I don't. <laughs> I hope that's not the Patrick Williams ceiling. Um, no, I, I don't think that that's even really a comparable thing. Um, almost they do it very differently, but like T.J. Warren with the way that he gets a lot in the mid range while also being like pretty efficient offensively. Yeah, I think he probably, I think TJ Warren does a little bit more off the dribble, can score a little bit more on an island and, and get his own. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Williams maybe gets there, but when he was rattling off those 36 point games, he was much like it wasn't Patrick Williams. He also run some quick post action forward to give him a touch. Like, right. TJ Warren's much more perimeter based. Right. The one thing that worries me a little bit with Williams is he's just not like an explosive athlete. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's not that guy either. Um, Sadiq Bey is up next. For Sadiq, I have got Damari Carroll, like peak Damari Carroll. Okay. Where, uh, if, I don't think Damari made an all-star game. Mm, I don't think If I remember so. correctly, I think he was just like on the outside looking in, in those like couple of years with the Hawks. But, you know, average something like 12 points, five rebounds, a couple assists a night, played really strong defense within a team construct, uh, was very switchable, uh, you know, very, very clear above average starter in the NBA. And then the floor, because I think Sadiq is going to shoot it at a pretty high level. So I don't think he'll ever be out of the NBA. But if the defense doesn't totally translate in the way that 
you know, everyone hopes because of the athleticism. Is there like, is there like a George Niang this year, like almost floor there? Uh, I think Sadiq's a, a little bit more mobile, fluid, better shooter. Right. I agree with you, but like then I hear from teams that think he's like an absolutely terrible athlete. Okay. So. But I also have like visions of George Niang at Iowa State just doing like every trick in his bag in the post and scoring there. Yeah. Like that's just not Sadiq. Maybe, you know it's, the, uh, maybe it's more like the, what Cam Johnson was this year. Okay, that, that I think that fits a little bit better. And, and Cam Johnson was really good for a rookie. Like, yeah, I don't no, mean that stretch. is a negative. Like I'm saying, like very clear rotation shooter, but probably not like a starter level player. Right. I, I forgot about the Damari Carroll thing in 2015 when he was the only Hawks starter not selected to the All Star game. Yeah, and, and was really good, good that year too. Yeah, that's a good. Trivia tidbit. Millsap, Horford, Teague, Kyle Korver, not DeMar Carroll. Yeah, frankly, was probably better than Kyle Korver that year, if we're yeah. going to be honest with it. Like, Korver got Well, he more. averaged 12.3 points per game. Korver was 13.4. Yeah. Yeah, and Korver was really good. Like, And I don't mean that as a slight at Korver, but like Korver's one of the best three-point shooters in NBA history. But, you know, DeMar Carroll defended and did a lot of different stuff. So um, that's definitely not a slight when I say that. No. All right, you're up. No slides here. Yeah, 16, Tyrese Maxey. So, again, if you watch the the Clutch Sports Pro Day, they had a little interview with John Calipari. He said, you can't pass on him. It'll be like passing on Jamal Murray or, or Shea. I, I don't see those. I see him more as like a, a scoring punch off the bench, kind of like a, a Lou Will or maybe in like the Kobe White mold. I mean, for, for Maxey, he played on that. And we're also outside the lottery, so I, I might just do like one guy here. Uh, he was on that team and really wasn't able to show his full arsenal. I don't think he's either of those Kentucky guys. I don't think he's Booker Hero either. I think he's an okay shooter and an okay athlete. I mean, that he has fixed his jumper a little bit. Seems like the release points a, a little bit higher. So you trust that he can work on continuing to improve that. You can also trust him defensively on the ball. Uh, like Lou will offensively though, he can take some tough contested shots he shot 29 percent from college three the world famous but he shoots 83 percent from the free throw line so maybe it's it's less of a, a push and less of a dip and those numbers can also bounce up too he's a better defender than a lot of those guys though than like that type of guard you yeah know? i it, it, this is when it kind of gets like a little dicey for me outside the lottery too because it's hard to like pinpoint guys with this like exact skill set of yeah all right he's not quite the score of lou will but he's a better defender okay so who is that at 16 where you don't want to say like somebody who's an established nba guy averaging whatever 18 a game yeah yeah it's tough like this, this is where we need your depth of knowledge for just like pulling out random guys like, yeah no sounds good <laughs> great had him down too i, I think he's probably Higher ceiling than Alec Burks. Okay, that can play. Like, uh, but you're not, but you're. I mean, he's 16 here. You're not like a top 10 maxi guy. I'm not a top 10 guy. I, I've moved him up a couple spots, but <laughs> you're moving up a lot of guys. I'm excited to see who moves down. 
We've mentioned a few. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Maxi. Um, I, I get the I get the appeal if you think he can shoot it and do it consistently. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's go to Aaron Naismith is up. Yeah. Ceiling would be something like just a, like Joe Harris. Yeah, I like that one. I think that the closest player to him is a like Alan Crabb, to be honest, like a little bit mm. less effective. Joe I Harris, think you are you are. Did Spencer make that parallel on the pod? Yeah, and, and I think it's somebody. I think it's dead on to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then the floor would be like, uh, the floor I think is like somewhat low. Like actually, maybe maybe the ceiling. I don't know. Like Gary Trent like comes to mind as mm. well for me. Just big, strong frame, super high level shooter off of movement. But yeah, I, I thought similar for Desmond Bain, but we'll get there. Yeah, no, I like that one for Desmond Bain as well. Um, floor is tough because like he's definitely going to shoot it, but he's like maybe not a 49% three point shooter. I think he shot 52 this year. Like what happens if he's a 36? Not, not really not conference too. I think he played like one conference game, right? Before he got right. Hurt. Yeah, he did. Uh, like what happens if he's a thirty six percent three point shooter? Yeah. What else is he doing? Yeah. What else is he doing? It'd be almost like, but it, like in that case, he's not Kyle Korver because, Cor- like, even like now, Kyle Korver because he won't be that level of gravitational threat. And Korver, uh, to me, Korver moves a lot better without the ball too. Like he doesn't necessarily need screens. He's out, he's like the Duncan Robinson school of like I'm just gonna run around the whole game and you're gonna fall asleep and I'm gonna catch it and kick my leg out and hit a. Th- like what people thought Torian Prince was with the Hawks the last couple of years. Like he fell off a cliff this year in Brooklyn and was not quite that, but like 38 to 39 percent three point shooter who doesn't actually like impact winning all that much. Maybe. Yeah. Not his big version, but yeah. Yeah, like something like that. All right, I'm there. Uh, I'm at 18. I have Cole Anthony. I'm going to say Austin Rivers, and I think there's some parallels beyond just like it's a coach's son and whatever. So, I mean, both were heralded high school stars who struggled on not great college. Oh, so you're, you're only giving one name. You're not giving a ceiling. I mean, that's yeah. I, I, I figured outside like the top 15. Or so sure. we could do that just as the lightning round. So people aren't like, why are they talking two hours about this guy? Uh, so both were their college teams weren't great. I mean, uh, Austin Rivers, that Duke team lost to Lehigh in the tournament. North Carolina would not have been in the tournament, but both can create their own shot at a pretty high level. Both can take some bad ones at times, inconsistent shooters and probably not best as primary facilitators either i mean you might fight me on that with with cole anthony but austin rivers is also still in the nba and his average close to 10 points per game for his career uh my kind of like parallel question to you is cole anthony was preseason like a top five guy or considered yeah. top five guy how much do you we buy into the 
he was playing through injury and the surrounding parts just weren't there argument. A little bit, but not enough to just like totally hand wave it. Because what worries me is that he didn't play up to the athleticism that like everyone thought he had. Right. Like he, he was not a guy that looked particularly explosive out there. I didn't think he looked explosive by college standards, but like Kyra Lewis looked way quicker. Right. Oh yeah. No, I don't don't think that's, that's close. And and Cole's a guy we said when he has space to load up and really dunk and crank it, he can, but he's not, he's not doing with a guy on his hip. No, he's not. Um, I'm trying to think of another guard here. Like RJ Hampton looked a lot quicker on the ground than he, Mm -hmm. than he did. I thought, um, I'm trying to think of like another explosive guard. Like honestly, to me, like Grant Riller looked bouncier around the rim. Yeah. Despite not uh, bouncier and probably hold his ground a little bit more too with his strong. Right. I actually think Cole plays through contact. Well, yeah. Like, I think he does that, and gets and, get, and gets a free throw line, too. Yeah. Like, he embraces contact and embraces physicality, but doesn't necessarily explode through contact. Right. And I don't see the some places have said shades of Kemba Walker. Like, I don't I don't necessarily see him as shooting that high of a percentage and, and trusting him at, at that level. Yeah. I think he's more of a volume shooter, but I think he will knock down shots. Yes. Um, but I don't know if he's starting for the Boston Celtics in the Eastern conference finals. Right. Like, and I'll say this, like, yeah, I agree with that. And, and Cole Anthony, like, I think he's going to play well off the ball if he's next. Yes. To yes. Yes. A, uh, the game will be easier for him when he doesn't have to create as well. Yeah. Like I think he's definitely an NBA player and I think he's like definitely a rotation player. Uh, there's a world where he's a starting point guard and can be like a, re- a pretty good one, I think. But he needs to improve his passing accuracy, I think, not just like decision making. Because I actually kind of liked him as a passer at lower levels, but like I think that he had vision and saw things, but was often just a little bit inaccurate with his passes. Um, needs to improve there. Needs to keep improving as a jump shooter. Needs to be willing to pass, which I think this year was just like he played for a terrible team and chose not to pass. And then I actually kind of like him defensively, too. Like, I think that there's a world where he's a useful player. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I coast on that. I coast on all that stuff. It, it's it's going to be a fit where he can be an NBA starter somewhere, but it has to be the right situation. Right. Like I, I have him in the same tier as, you know, guys that I think have a shot to be NBA starters. So I'm, I'm there. I'm there with you, to be honest. Um, I, I don't, right. I have him lower than where I thought I would coming into this pre draft process, just having gone back and watched the tape and, you know, seeing where the league is going and everything. But yeah, I mean, I, I get it with Cole. I think that there's some real upside there if he can keep improving. All right. The next guy here, Precious Achua. Do we know how to say Precious's name? You probably know. I thought I thought it was Achua. Precious Achua. I've, I've heard both. Okay. 
This is a tough one. Because... <laughs> well, it's who does he want to be or who is he, right? Right. He, he, I think he would prefer to be like Robert Covington, almost. Ooh. Except yeah, like... I think he'd like to be. Guy who can handle the ball as well. Like Robert Covington who tries to dribble is what I think he wants to be. Uh, I think he's best off being like Daniel Tice. <laughs> okay. And a lot I've of Tice action. A lot of Tice love on this. Yeah, I've mentioned Tice twice because I think that Tice is like a starting level NBA center and I think he's pretty good. And where I think he is particularly good is guarding away from the basket. Daniel Tice yep. can actually handle defensive pick and roll coverages and switches. Precious Achua can do that. Uh, I think he actually slides his feet really, really well and has great lateral quickness and is a really underrated rim protector, much in the same way that Tice is. The thing about this, though, is and Tice like is an occasional three point shooter, much in the same way that I think Precious could be an occasional three point shooter. The thing about this is, though, like, I think Precious wants to float and, like, wants to not do, like, the dirty rebounding work and, like, crashing the offensive glass and stuff. He needs to want to do that or else it's not right. going to go well. to, to me, which is screaming Gerald Wallace, who I thought you were going to say. Yeah, I get that. But, like, Gerald got to the point where he could actually, like, play. Like, I, like play on the perimeter a little bit. Like, I, I think that for Precious... I mean, like, do you ever see Precious averaging 19 points a game? I don't, no. Yeah, like, for a five-year stretch there, Gerald Wallace averaged 18 points, eight rebounds, three assists. Yeah, I meant more like the stylistically, the type of game he plays. Not necessarily going to score 19 points per game. Yeah, I, I get that. I get Gerald from that perspective. I think that that is kind of the hope like it would almost be better defensively kenneth Fareed, maybe mm, okay like super high motor Not a strong, player yeah. plays hard but i don't i don't know man it's tough he's yeah precious is a tough, is a one. tough one too all right i had 20 i had desmond bain we mentioned a little bit before potentially gary trent i'm actually going to go with bryn forbes with 10 pounds of muscle or Tyrell Terry's workout plan. Uh, so Des- Desmond Bain is uh, becoming kind of like the workout wonder of the draft, it seems like, for his work ethic, his results. I think he's also one of these guys who's setting all kinds of records on his own. But the Forbes fits kind of scores off a variety of screens and actions and can also shoot and scores his feet set. Not super explosive off the bounce, but is solid defensively. doesn't get lazy. Uh, I mean, Brent Forbes is 6'2". His numbers improved each of his first three seasons in the NBA. In the right system to thrive, which I, I feel the same for Desmond Bain. If he gets in the right place, he's going to be a really good rotational player somewhere. Yeah, I like the Gary Trent one a little bit better than that. But yeah, uh, I... I- understand where you're going i think brain is just way too skinny and like no well, that's why we had the workout plan but yeah i get it i mean desmond bain looks like in a good sense like a pro wrestler like his his body's carved he looks huge yeah he just looks totally enormous like it's right. ridiculous um brain forbes has gotten stronger by the way too no knock on brain forbes size. i'm not trying to say that either just desmond bain looks like a superhero 
Yeah. No, that Des is ridiculous. Shout out Desmond Bain. Uh all right, I'm up. Yep. Next up, we have got Trey Jones. The comp for me is like Do you remember like pre Toronto Kyle Lowry? Like AU Kyle Lowry? <laughs> no, like like Philly Pratt? No. Okay. Like Rockets Kyle Lowry. Team Philly, sir. And like uh, yeah, yes, sure. And like Memphis Kyle Lowry. Like very clearly an NBA player, very clearly an effective rotation player who can step into a starting lineup occasionally. Um when he got to Houston, was a bench player to start, didn't knock down shots, then you know, in his fourth or fifth year, started shooting it. Knocked down 37% from three on four attempts uh, whenever he entered their starting lineup in 2011. I think that that's the comp. Like, it, it's, it's not the high-volume three-point gunner that Kyle Lowry turned into that, like, morphed him into a Hall of Famer. I think right. it's when Kyle Lowry Impo- was impossible like, shot maker. Yeah. Yeah. Solid starter, like does everything that you're looking for from a point guard, gets everyone involved. Um, really, really high level defender makes elite level decisions like that kind of guy. Yeah. I'm, I like that. I thought you're going to take the easy way out and say Tyus Jones. I think they're different. Like, I think they're pretty they, different. No, they, they are. It's the same with Lonzo and, and, uh, Lamelo, but I, th- I thought you may jab that in there. Yeah, no, I, I think that Ty- Trey is a much better athlete than Tyus. I think. Yeah, and I said it before too, and I, I posted something about him working out out in California that his shot has gotten better. I mean, it's a it's a smaller sample size, obviously, and it's been a crazy evolution where he was left wide open to shoot for games, and now he's like made it a real threat. I mean, defensively, he was player of the year in the ACC. So definitely different than Tyus, but similar in that he's able to carve out some role within the rotation to get meaningful minutes. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you're up next. Who do we got? I, I have Malachi Flynn. So I'm, I'm hoping, you don't also virtually throw something at me for this. I, I'm going against conventional wisdom. I'm going to, I am going to go with Fred Van Vliet and love it. Let's do it. And, and the reason is, He's fully embraced the Fred Van Vliet thing in all the interviews. I can be Fred Van Vliet. Great. Pro-style game, especially effective in pick and roll, knows how to pick his spots, get a shot off versus more athletic players and defenders. Also, I, I know it's corny, but I like the the Van Vliet comp because both of them were undervalued in high school. Uh, I know Malachi still went to Washington State first, but it's not this traditional blue blood power. Uh, and both led their teams to incredible seasons. I mean, San Diego State was 30 and two and in prime for a big tourney run before the world got turned upside down. Fred Van Vliet played in the final four. Their team was 31 and 0 in the regular season. Both those guys also kind of have this chip on their shoulder where it's, it's something to prove. I don't know Van Vliet behind the scenes or, or his story or his work ethic. I've, I've heard he's as tough as they come. But we both know the the Malachi thing is like he's known as just being this basketball guy who just like yep. does basketball all the time. Like yep. that's his passion. Yeah, like crazy, crazy work ethic. Doesn't do anything other than basketball. Um, 
I, I keep wanting to move Malachi higher. <laughs> You're safe. You're in a safe place where you are right here, I think. Yeah. The more that I hear about him, the more I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is going to work. Uh, I can't quite, like, just keep doing it because I feel like I'm getting to an unsafe space. But, yeah, I I think he's going to play in but the there's NBA. Also, there's, a lot of te- there's a lot of teams in the 20s that need need guards, need guys that can score, create their own shot. And he's going to go in this range. If I was Philadelphia, I would very, very strongly look at him. Uh, I, I would probably take him over Trey Jones if I was specifically Philadelphia. Mm. And I, I would probably take him over Cole Anthony, too, if I was Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't want to like. We don't have to deep dive into it now, but it's like which which of those guys fits the the Maury Elton Brand hybrid style the most. Yeah. Pro- I would guess Malachi. Yeah, I'm a I am a. Fan. And that's just me being like, oh, he shoots at a higher clip. Yeah, I am. I am definitely a fan of yeah Malachi Flynn. Uh, all right. Next up, we have got Tyrell Terry. The name that keeps coming to mind for me is Steve Kerr. Mm. And I think that like the Tyrell Terry, like acolytes that now live on Twitter who think he's incredible. Um, well, they, they've all bought the merch, right? The branded headbands and sweatshirts. Shout out Tyrell. I love that. And honestly, like I, I think Tyrell's like an incredible kid. Um, yeah, no, and he, he also, we're, we're joking, but he also said proceeds from the next sale are going to community center in Minneapolis where he grew up, and he's making a difference before the draft even started, so that it, it is admirable in that sense. Yeah, but Tyrell back to, Terry... Back to, back to jokes and Steve Kerr stuff. ...is an awesome human being. Like, just a very clear, like, awesome human being. I was... I, I can't remember if I was talking to you or someone else about this, but this feels like what happened with me whenever Jerome Robinson was in the draft. I forget what draft that was, maybe 2017, 2018. And I was, I think the first person to put Jerome Robinson as like a first round pick in that Mm -hmm. draft. Like I did it in like December or something. And he kept moving up and moving up. And eventually he got to where I had him by like March or wherever. And then he kept moving up and creeping up and creeping up to the point where the Clippers take him at 13, if I remember correctly. Right, which which is probably about 10 spots, even higher than, I'm guessing, without having your big board in front of you where like, you had him. It's like 15 spots higher. Like, I, I never got beyond, okay. like, end of the first round with Jerome. And what's happening with Tyrell reminds me a little bit of that. Like, I think I was the first person to have Tyrell as, like, a first-round pick. And... I really like him and he's slid up a little bit. Like he's at 22 for me now, something like that. And I really like him and I think he's definitely an NBA player, but I can't quite get as high as everyone else seems to be going with Tyrell. Yeah, that's fair. Like this isn't necessarily the the comp thing, but I don't think he even went into Stanford thinking he's a one and done either. But yeah. then the the stars all kind of aligned where it's like, well, maybe this is the time to do it and explore it and put his name out there, had enough yep. interest, 
And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to stay and see what happens. So I feel like the ascension has also been not even his own doing either. Yeah, no. And that- now, and, and people like his age, they like they can shoot the ball. He's a little bit younger. And now we joke, but he, he has added muscle. He is bigger, which is one of the knocks that he wouldn't be able to deal with playing 82 games plus playoffs in the NBA where he can barely get through a normal college season. But by, by uh, the way, so, like even with that 15 pounds, he's still probably going to be the skinniest player in the NBA next year. Second behind Pokashevsky, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the, the, he, like he had to do it. He had to go. I, I like the, the Steve Kerr comparison. I've seen Mark Price. I don't like, I'm not on board with like the CJ McCollum or, I don't know, like even like Buddy Heald Light. Like, I don't see that either. The reason that I say Steve Kerr is that Steve Kerr played point guard essentially for those Bulls teams, but was not necessarily like the initiator, right? Um, Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan were obviously the initiators of those teams. I think that that kind of situation is going to be best for Tyrell because He's a really unselfish player. He's a really good passer. He's a great uh, head man passer in transition. He always wants his teammates to find the absolute best shots. But he's not a great ball handler. Doesn't have a ton of like crazy explosiveness. And doesn't really make a ton of like live dribble passes, right? Like a lot of it is like, jump stop then make the pass or jump stop jump in the air draw the defender toward him and then make like a dump off pass right or drive stop wait for the defender to come then hit like a two-handed chest pass kick out to the cross corner right it's not that that's a bad thing necessarily it's just that it's harder to make a living that way in the nba Especially when I don't think he's like an elite level ball handler, like Stephen Curry, Steve Nash, these guys that like people compare him to like the highest, highest, highest of his ceiling, right? Those guys were just like crazy fucking ball handlers. Mm -hmm. And I don't really see that with Tyrell. And And, and the other part of this is, and why I compare, why I say Steve Kerr, he's, literally like one of the smartest people in basketball that you'll meet. And he's also got that like super crazy competitiveness gene that Kerr has. I think he's, I think Tyrell Terry is going to be an NBA player for a very long time. And I think he's going to make, you're high on him. That's a, that's a glowing rating at 23. Tyrell, the only thing I'll kind of spin on that is I would take him if I can be patient. Like yeah. I take him if if I don't need him to score a play right now. Like yeah. I think looking back after the mock draft we did, I think like Milwaukee took him. If you need to win with Giannis like right now, like I don't know if you can wait. Yeah. Yeah. Like if if I was Philadelphia, it would be tough for me to take Tyrell right now. Right. Right. Malachi fits a little bit better. Yeah. Um but I really like Tyrell and I think he's going to play in the NBA and be a very effective player for a very long time. And he is going to help winning teams, but I don't think he's going to be like the star of winning teams. Right. And it's and that, hard and for the, me. That's what, that's what the curve fit is, right? You yeah. can have other stars around him, but you can hit big jumpers in NBA playoff games and be revered forever. Yeah. And it's hard for me to quite 
get to the point where you take like this, you know, fifth or sixth best player on your team above like 20th, right? Right. Like I, I want a little bit more upside higher in the draft than where I am on Tyrell right now. I love him. Like, I don't mean any of this disparagingly. Like, I think a lot of the traits that I just kind of laid out, hopefully explain that. But, um, like Steve Kerr won how many titles being such a useful cog in a team, right? Like, I think that that's what Tyrell is. It's a good endorsement. Yeah. All right, you're so, up. Uh, spe- speaking of endorsements, one of your favorites in the NBA draft is Segway. I have Xavier Tillman Sr. So uh, I'm taking the easy way out a little bit because I know in interviews he said he wants to be a Udonis Haslam type. So I'm going to buy into that, but I'm also going to throw in a dash of Al Horford's facilitating. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, all those guys are undersized centers, embrace who they are, work, rebound. Tillman's jumper can improve and get to a respectable level, I think, in, in similar ways that Udonis Haslam made that baseline jumper almost unstoppable later in his career. The the Horf piece I keep coming back to is because you can use him offensively like Michigan State did to run sets through him. I mean, Horf averaged, I think, four assists per game for his career. Tillman was like three at, at Michigan State, which I know isn't eye-popping, but you still can, can trust him to initiate some stuff for – Haslam, he didn't really take any threes. Again, like we've kind of beaten down a little bit is when he was playing, he's still playing, which is incredible. But during his peak years, they didn't really need him to stretch the four from three. Tillman took 50 this past year. Uh, I, I am a believer that he can stretch the four a little bit more as time goes on too. I like him. I'm a fan. If, if he's somewhere in between those two guys, he's has a good career ahead of him. All right. Let's, uh, I don't really have anything else. Like I think that's basically right, to be honest. Wow, pretty good. Oh God, I get Grant Riller now. Grant Riller to me is like Lou Williams. Uh similar. Okay. You know, great finisher at the basket. Uh guy that I think will shoot it reasonably high level. Um, not a defender at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he's kind of put out the Fred Van Vliet things as well, which is a a party favorite too. Yeah, no, he he's really bad defensively. Uh, that, that's going to be tough to, I think, get to Fred's level because Fred is a very high-level defender. Yeah, right. I mean, Grant will take charges, though. I mean, he'll, he'll slide his feet and get front. I mean, he's not the, the best defender. You have to see when he's playing, again, a high-level competition every night. But I, I'm a little bit more of a believer in Riller than you are. Defensively, you mean? Yeah, I think it's overall. I mean, 25 is, is a fair place to put him. I mean, there's there's some mocks out there that have him mid to late second round. Yeah. I, I think even your mock did. I mean, this is the big board versus the mock draft debate anyway. Right. Like, for what it's worth, I think he's going to go in the second round. Um, yep. I really like him as a scorer. Uh, everything he does is just – he gets separation at such a high level that I am – Absolutely a fan of Grant Riller. Yeah, me too. I'm also a fan of the 26 pick. Well, the 26 guy on your board, Isaiah Stewart, who I have in that Montrez Harrell type mold. Yep. And I, I know we haven't really done like floors, but I think the floor is somewhere in the Thomas Bryant ish range. Uh, worker forward. He's a little undersized at 6'8, but does have a 7'4 wingspan. He'll make contact, rebound, box out. 
I am a little worried if we'll be able to defend bigger, more athletic guys. And, and we've, we've discussed the Trez thing earlier in holding guys and pick and roll, but plays hard, has a high motor. He didn't really shoot outside of the lane in college at Washington. There is draft video, workout video circulating right now that frankly says otherwise. I, I know it's an open gym. Everyone's a great shooter in an open gym, but looks good, looks comfortable from distance. It is a 77% free throw shooter, so you buy in that it can get better. Yeah, I think he's just going to straight up shoot. I'm, I'm really yeah. not that worried about it. Um, I, I was even saying that coming into last year, that I thought he was going to shoot at Washington, and they just didn't use him in that role. Uh, he was on the podcast earlier this year and you know said like he feels very comfortable shooting from distance. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it looked like in the workouts. Yeah, and it comes off of his hand great. He, he's going to shoot it. I don't really have a concern there. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. Like bigger Montrez Harrell. I think that's dead right. on. Okay, next up. Oh, you gave me Jalen Smith. Final four. Um, You keep saying you gave me. these. This is off yours. I just went, I picked first the mocks and you picked first here. No, no the this deck is your fault. My favor, I'm, but I'm, I'm not, not taking the blame for this. Okay. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You you're, yeah. you're passing the buck like a politician, Penny. Incredible. <laughs> go vote. Vote. Go vote. vote. Yes, Everyone, please, for the love of yes. God, go vote. Shut up voting. Even yeah. even though I'm in Australia, I've already voted. Early please. and often. Go yeah. vote. Um, okay. <laughs> Sticks. Sticks. Um, is it like... It's almost like Marquise Chris, but with like a real jumper. Hmm. Chris, at least he played on Under Armour Circuit, so I saw him a lot. Yeah. At least coming out of college, I think he's a little bit more of a an athlete. I think Sticks is a little bit stiffer than Marquise Chris was. Way stiffer. Way stiffer. Yeah. But is it like... Is it like, no, but like Christian Wood was like really good at a point this year. There's, yeah, there's it, not really an strong. ideal one here. Is it like almost Chris Boucher for Toronto You're this digging. year? Yeah. Like some, like the, the hope is that he can be Serge Ibaka, but that's, yeah. So that's the hope and what you've seen in a few other places. But he's, it's, it's, that's not the best fit. And I said this the last like three or four picks. It's like, you're really kind of. Ooh, how does it make a, a perfect scenario between both sides of the ball? Yeah, Ibaka, I mean, Ibaka is a, a great ceiling if you can get there. But he's nowhere near the athlete Ibaka was at a younger age. Like, not no. even in the stratosphere right. with Ibaka athletically. Because, like, if you remember, like, Ibaka was, like, Air Congo, like, at the dunk contest and, like, doing all this stuff. Like crazy shot blocker with crazy vertical. Like Jalen Smith can throw down a dunk on people, but he's not that. Yeah. I, 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 people kind of make the ties too because of the shooting a little bit between those two. And right. Ibaka almost became enamored too much with shooting the three later. Is it, is it Thon Maker? Oh, man. I, I, I haven't seen enough Thon the NBA in high school and, and grassroots he was thon was more fluid for sure oh yeah like thon was thon was like the god 
of the grassroots circuit. I mean, he was unbelievable. But, like, I think Jalen can shoot it better than Thon can, too. Yes. Like, is it, like, better shooting Thon maker? I don't... Jalen Smith is... It, the hope is, like, Miles Turner, Serge Ibaka, like I that. I like that. Miles Turner light is the goal. Yeah, like that kind of guy. And I'm not really there because I worry about the athleticism a little bit too much. Yep. Which is why he's fair. lower on this board than where I think he is most places now. Right, where where he'll actually go, yeah. All right, you All right, are you can go with that. That's fine. All right, I have 28 with three more. Power through. So I have Robert Woodard, who I actually really like. I had a tough one with this. I said, like, a more athletic Jay Crowder or potentially, like, a Jeremy Grant. And yeah, then, I think it's uh, I think it's like Jeremy Grant, like Al Farouk Aminu, like that kind of guy. Yeah, just this interchangeable forward. It's a small sample size as most of these college guys, but his three went up like 15%, shows that he works. Uh, he's smaller than Jeremy, but does have a 7-1 wingspan. Little bit of an underrated passer. Uh, can close out to shooters, switch on wings, bigs. And Robert Woodard's also benefiting right now from the bubble of yep. wings that can guard multiple spots, multiple actions, as long as we pretend the <laughs> Jeremy Grant plumbly switch with or lack thereof with LeBron didn't happen. Anthony Davis didn't happen, but uh, I, I see him in that kind of versatile role as from a forward position. Yeah, no, I think that's reasonable. All right. The last guy I've got here, you gave me Josh Green. Yes, you gave yourself Josh Green. Josh Green. Hmm. Super high level on ball defender. Pretty good off-ball defender, too. Yeah, anticipates well. Good instincts. Um, But run and, run and jump. Handle needs a little bit of work. Great in the open court. Yeah, like the hope is almost like what Norman Powell has become. But like mm, okay. Norm is a better offensive player than what I would expect Green to get to. Right. Uh, hmm. He's just like your three and D wing that might not be able to shoot. Is it, is it more like more D than three? What did you say? I said more D than three. Yeah. Yeah, and like might be able to play make in the open court a little bit, and might be able to, you know, make some things happen that way. Oh, is it like a vague outline of like hoping he can be? No, but like Royce O'Neal's like pretty good it's it's almost it's almost like a garrett temple kind of guy okay are you did, did you write down any of these names or you're just like picking through your brain in, in real time picking, because if so I'm, I'm very impressed picking through my brain in real time that's, that's why like before these podcasts i'm like all right like what are the what do we want to do what are the topics so i'm prepared and i'll get body slammed you're just like yeah is he Powell meets O'Neal in a steel cage <laughs> match with, I'm like, yeah, I guess. Sure. So, like, I, I do have, like, a list of NBA players up. Okay. But. So you got something. Like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, like, like, I, I didn't do any of this ahead of time. I'm just. You're, like, Rain Man light. You're not Rain Man, but like, <laughs> you, you have some of it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. My brain is, I've, I've been looking at these prospects for 
10 months now. I, I want to yeah. curl up in a ball and stop. <laughs> All right. So do, we'll, do we want to just stamp that as kind of like a cross hybrid of those guys? Yeah, sure. What the hell? All right. La- last one, Elijah Hughes, which ironically I had the, the most kind of trouble with. Don't yell at me for this one either because I don't think he's the athlete, but is he like a Kelly Oubre light? That's the role he played in college, but I think the role in the NBA is going to be different. Yeah. I mean, so I just had it as like a wing, a little bit undervalued, not the athlete Kelly, similar size when Kelly was at Kansas. I mean, their numbers, Hughes last year, Average 19 points per game, but from the field, it was 43, 34, 81. Kelly was 44, 36, 72. Is it, is it maybe more mature Daniel House? <laughs> more mature Daniel House, yeah. Post-bubble learned his lesson, Daniel House, yeah. Uh, I, I can see that. Like guy that, that guy that was like somewhat inefficient as a shooter because he had the crazy role at Texas A&M. Right. It's like he has to continue to build on a three-point shooting. I mean, Elijah's much better with his feet set, not on the move. I'm just – I'm a little worried defensively too, and I just say yeah. that as like a blanket thing with the Syracuse zone. You just don't know what inefficiencies we're just kind of like covering up there. Yeah, and like I, I think that – I think Hughes will shoot it as he gets more open. Yes, no, I do too. Yeah. And it, like we said this about a couple of other guys, I don't think he hurts you offensively either. Yeah, like I, I would say like the hope is – more mature and responsible Daniel House. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. That's a perfect way to finish. What a uh what a what a world we live in. What a world. We're close. Our our brains are mush, but the draft is very soon. The draft is very soon. God, I have yeah. so much work to do still. Uh we're what what are we like 18 days from the draft? Uh I think under, days? right? 16, yeah. Yeah, 16 days from the draft. What What is draft date? Because, like, I'm all screwed up. 18th, right? November 18th. Draft date, the, well, election day the 3rd, draft day the 18th. Yeah, like, I'm all screwed up with the days, like, in the United States. So, like, the day, it's a Wednesday draft this year. So, it's um, November 18th, which means it'll be a Thursday for me. It'll be, like, Thursday morning for me, which then will revolve around me sleeping forever uh, that weekend from the 19th through the 22nd. Right after the fact, you got to do like a forty-eight hour bender, like beforehand. Yeah, no, it's it's not going to be great. Not going to be great for me. But I love my job. Uh, no matter what I say here, Penny, the greatest player in UMass basketball history. How do we start this petition? That's what my family tells me. I don't think there's a petition to be had. There, like I wore number twelve. Like I, I'm like the at least top of my head third best number twelve at, at UMass, if not worse. So, who are, who are the top two? Were either of the top two captains? Edgar Padilla, one of the best UMass backcourts ever with Carmelo Travieso. Yeah. Was, it, was he a captain? Anthony Anderson though? was right before me. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I He was on a loaded team. He could have been captain. I, I don't I don't want to say if he was or he wasn't. But I just remember getting the number 12. I'm like, I can't wear this. Like, <laughs> no, no, you are. I'm like, okay, great. Oh, my God. Not big shoes to fill or anything. Love it. That's amazing. Uh, Matt Penny, tell the people where they can find your work. Yeah, I, I actually just changed my Twitter name to get more official. I couldn't get at Penny, so it's at Matt underscore Penny. Uh, as as we've alluded to, the Internet's a, a crazy place. I've had the weirdest follows, and somebody said I, I sound exactly like I look, which is very rare. I got to laugh at that. I got told I, I'm not a shot guru. I shouldn't say that Tyrese Maxey dips the ball when he shoots. So 
I'm enjoying it. This is great. I'm, I'm always happy to be here and appreciate having me on. Oh, dude. Yeah. What the, what the fuck is this guy? I'm looking at this tweet now. Oh, it's fantastic. I like had something queued up. I was like, nah, not going to do it. Yeah. No. I mean, the, he like dips it down to his knee almost sometimes. Yeah. Like, wasn't well, a knock to say it, it got higher, but it negates if you dip it lower. That's all. Yeah. Um, and you're tweeting about Dave James. Hobble. I'm not a shot doctor. Yeah. Tweeting about James Buchnight too. I like it. He's good. He's undervalued. I, I think the second team Big East thing was more about they just got to the conference. And it's like, hey, wait a second. Like, not so fast. I have, uh, I will have James Buchnight in my first round. Absolutely. Next year. He is, no question. uh, he's very good. He's very fun too. Uh, Connecticut fans should be very, very, very happy about this. And the fact they get to watch James Buchnight. All right. This has been Sam Vecini. You can go find my work, uh, over at The Athletic. I will have something probably mid next week, I would say, that is relatively big. And then I'll have like a bunch of other, uh, things coming out before the draft. So keep it locked there until next time. We will talk soon. Bye. Thank you.